Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We are in the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha every Sunday morning at 9.30 for Sunday morning Bible classes, 10.30 for worship, and Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, you are welcome to any and all of these services, and we encourage you to come and be with us in person. But we know that there are many people who listen to our podcasts around the country and all around the world. And so we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach God's word on such a widespread broadband basis through the medium of the internet. We're thankful to be able to do this. We're thankful to be able to reach out with God's word. You know, Jesus, on the day of his ascension back to heaven, following his being crucified on the cross, being put in the tomb, and then resurrected from that grave, and then walking upon the earth for a period of 40 days, presenting himself risen to hundreds and hundreds of people, he is ready to ascend back to heaven, and he told the apostles, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age of the world. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. As Mark recorded that great commission from our Lord, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Well, who would have thought 100 years ago? Who would have thought 50 years ago? Who would have thought 40 years ago, perhaps, that we would have this medium of the internet to be able to facilitate our preaching the gospel or teaching God's word throughout so much of the world through this medium? But here we are today. It's a reality. And so we're thankful to be able to bring God's word to you wherever you might be through the internet. Now, we want to encourage you to do more than just listen to these studies. We want to encourage you to share them with everybody you can. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But there are undoubtedly people in your life who you know who need to change their thinking, their focus in life, to become more spiritually focused. They need to start thinking about their souls, about their relationship with God. They need to grow in their faith. And since faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, you can help them along that line by sharing these studies with them. With your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody ultimately get to heaven by getting them into God's word through these studies that you share with them. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Now, we also encourage you to encourage everyone you know to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the listen button at the top of the home page. Sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for a podcasting, they will automatically, to their smart device, whichever one they choose, smartphone, computer, laptop, 
iPad, tablet, whatever they choose, our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a really pertinent, great daily short Bible study gets us into God's Word every day for a few minutes called Today's Bible Class, and our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures, all of that will automatically go to their smart device. And again, it's always free, always will be free. And our website, they can also download and listen to, and many of those are now in video format, our sermons that are posted there, hundreds. They can also download and read and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. All of that is free and always will be. Now, encourage everybody you can to take advantage of these study opportunities, this resource material that is there for free for their use. We also, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And again, Bible classes on Sunday morning begin at 9.30, worship at 10.30, Wednesday night or midweek Bible classes begin at 6.30. You're welcome. We hope to see you. Come and study with us. Worship God with us. Grow spiritually with us. We're going to get back into our study in the book of Exodus. We're getting to a very pertinent part of this history of not just mankind, but also of the people of Israel, whom God has sent Moses and Aaron to lead out of bondage in Egypt and to Mount Sinai to receive the law that God would give to Moses, the spiritual law, and then also then God's plan was for Moses to lead them from Sinai to the promised land that God had promised to the forefathers of all of the Israelites going all the way back to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Well, here we find Moses and Aaron having led the people out of Egyptian bondage through a series of plagues that God, through Moses, brought upon the Egyptians, and Pharaoh finally drove the Israelite people out of his land, changed his mind afterward, pursued them with his army, and as God split the Red Sea and led the Israelite people across on dry land, Pharaoh sent his army to pursue them through that mighty sea. And when all of the Israelites had finally gotten to the other side, God closed the waters upon that pursuing Egyptian army and destroyed them right there in the Red Sea. Well, then we saw over the next few chapters as Moses led them from that point into the wilderness to Mount Sinai, ultimately, they started facing challenges, food shortages, water shortage, and they started complaining. We saw, and I kept talking about how humankind can be so fickle. When things are going great, oh, we have so much, we're, we're so positive, we have so much faith in God. But when things start being stressed, a lot of times we, we forget about what God has done for us, how much, how much he has blessed us, 
and we start complaining. Our faith starts weakening. We start turning away from God, even getting mad at God at times, many people at least. And so the people started complaining against Moses. God miraculously provided meat for them. He miraculously provided the manna, some sort of grain or cereal, perhaps we can understand it. And when they had no water where they were at one particular point, God miraculously provided water. Well, God was taking care of them. Brings them to Mount Sinai, where they, are, they have come to worship God. And that was what the message that God told Moses to carry to Pharaoh from the beginning of his confrontation with Pharaoh. Let my people go into the wilderness that they may worship God. All right. So here we are in chapter 19. The Israelite people are at Mount Sinai. Again, I've tried to portray for you, get in your mind a visual, a mental visual image of what that gathering must have been like. We're not talking about a few hundred people. We're talking about one to three million people probably, maybe even more than that. So the camp of the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai was obviously massive. Now, why did God want Moses to lead them to this particular mountain? We begin with verse 1 of chapter 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Now, so they have left Egypt. It's taken them three months to get to Mount Sinai. And this would be a, an initial primary destination that they would be migrating toward, Mount Sinai, in the wilderness. Three months. We might say, why did it take them so long? If we look geographically in a map, we could probably say it, it should not have taken them three months to get there. Well, remember what we're talking about now. We're talking about a massive gathering of one to three million people at least, probably. It takes time to move that kind of a magnitude of humanity, any kind of distance. But also, remember that from our last chapter, we saw that, that time was taken for Moses to judge the people on an ongoing basis. They would come to him and he'd sit there in judgment from morning till night, judging them. Well, so while that process was going on, <laughs> giving judgments of situations that different ones of them were facing, they were stagnant as far as movement is concerned. They were right there. They weren't going anywhere. Remember in the last chapter that Moses' father-in-law Jethro gave him advice as to how to take a lot of the load off of himself and appoint good men, godly men, who could serve as kind of underling judges or underjudges beneath them. And then only the most difficult cases would be brought to Moses himself. Okay, three months gone by. Now they're at Mount Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped, th camped there before the mountain. 
I wonder what they were anticipating. I think they probably knew that that's where they were going. I think Moses probably communicated that to them, but I wonder what they were anticipating when they were coming to that particular, again, initial primary destination. What were they expecting? Well, we can only wonder. Verse 3, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. (laughs) Uh, Whoa, a whole lot was just said in that one verse of scripture. Moses went up to God. God was there on the mountain. Now, God, in what form? Well, we'll see later on. But God was there on the mountain. Moses went up to him. And God tells Moses, now remember, God speaks to Moses. Moses then, in many cases, going back to the confrontations, the challenges to Pharaoh, Moses would communicate that to Aaron, his brother, and Aaron would be the spokesperson to Pharaoh. And and so to some extent, that probably continued. But God tells Moses, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, God is telling Moses, tell the people, make no mistake, who did this in delivering them from their bondage in Egypt, delivering them from slavery in Egypt? I did it. I used you as a spokesman. But I am the one who delivered you. And look at the rich, vivid imagery there. On eagle's wings, I bore you on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself. To myself, where? To this mountain. Because he's meeting them on that mountain. Now, is that where God lives, where God resides? Well, of course not. God's in heaven. But for the purpose of confronting the people of Israel, whom God was molding and shaping to become his people, and through whom the Savior would come into the world, he meets them at the mountain. And so God is there, his presence. In verse 4, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you, will, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And so God is communicating his majesty and his authority as the creator, as God. All the people of the earth are mine but you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. Well, again, because God is shaping and molding them into a special people through whose bloodline the Savior would come into the world. Verse 6, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. God is telling Moses this, and Moses is supposed to communicate this to the Israelites, the people of Israel. 
Think about this. A kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Does that sound at all familiar if you are something of a student of the New Testament, of Christianity? How did, how did Peter put that? Did Peter not also describe the church or Christians as being priests, a holy people or a holy nation? He did, did he not? Yes, that's how we're described as being the people of God, the church of the living God. That's how God told Moses to describe the Israelites if they would stay true to him. And that's how Peter identifies the church as well, that we shall be a holy nation, that we should be priests from a spiritual perspective. Now, not holding a position of priest as the Israelites would come to understand it, and as many people would still kind of understand it today, but priests in that every true Christian should be a foreteller, or a foreteller rather, teaching the gospel. First Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, you, speaking to Christians, to the church, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, not just certain individuals, but all Christians, a holy nation, his own special people, whose own special people? God's, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Were the people of Israel in Egypt in darkness in that they were slaves, thinking from that particular perspective? Yes. When we come out of sin, the slavery of sin, we're coming out of the darkness of sin and its condemnation. So him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, forgiveness, salvation in Jesus Christ, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so we see tremendous parallel from a spiritual perspective to the physical identity that God is communicating to Moses for the children of Israel as they have been led out of Egyptian bondage and to God at the Mount Sinai. Interesting, interesting. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. What a message God gave Moses to carry to the people. Verse 7, so Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Oh, I wonder what emotions must have been coursing through those elders of the Israelites as Moses said these things to them, communicated this message from God to them that they were to communicate to the rest of the people. 
that all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Ah, we will do. So God tells Moses, you take this message to the people. He does. And then Moses brings back their response. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, the people of Israel said. What a wonderful statement of faith and commitment. In verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. So God is portraying himself to the people of Israel as God. You understand, you're to revere me, to hold me in reverence, to respect me, to look up to me. And understand there's also a difference between you in your physical form and me. I will come down to you at the mountain, but don't touch the mountain. Don't try to climb up. You'll, be, you'll die. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people. And they washed their clothes. And there's the sense of why they were to wash their clothes. They were to be sanctified. All right. Verse 15. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came, in other words, they were not to have sexual relations even. They were to set themselves apart for this special time of coming before God. Then it came to pass in the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Some people might read that 16th verse and say, oh, well, Sinai must have been a volcano. No, it was not a volcano. And it's not a volcano today. We're simply seeing a presence, a physical manifestation of God. Now, when Jesus came into this world, that was a physical manifestation of God the Son. He took human form. God tells Moses, I will come down upon the mountain on the third day so the people may see me. But he comes down in thunderings and lightnings and in a thick cloud, a thick cloud. This would impress the people. God has come among us. Now, they do not see God in any kind of human-like form, but they see him in these manifestations, the thunderings, the lightnings, the thick cloud. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. 
Can you think of another time when the presence of God was manifested in a similar way? When Jesus died on that cross, the earth quaked. The earth quaked. Remember that the sun was hidden in darkness, even though it was the time of day when it should have been bright sunlight, but the sun was hidden in darkness. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 19, when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Now only Moses could go up on the mountain. Remember from the time God called Moses he told him, I will speak to you. You tell Aaron, he will be your spokesman, but I will speak to you directly. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. And let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Warn the people. I'm serious about what I've told you. They're not to come and even touch the base of the mountain. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron, with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So God's warning my presence is here. But they need to understand, I am God. You come up with Aaron, but don't let the priests, don't let the people even come to the point of touching the mountain. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. The people of Israel needed to understand that they were in the presence of God. They needed to respect him as God. They needed to revere him. And they needed to be awed by his presence, being submissive to his will. And his will needed to become their will. Again, as human beings, we want to take things into our own hand, don't we? We want to do what we want to do. Remember Eve in the garden when the devil, through the serpent, tempted her and said, Ah, don't listen to what God said about not eating the fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat that fruit, you are going to be like God. Oh, what must have gone through her mind? She ate. She went into sin. She should have continued to revere and respect God and hold him in awe and be obedient. A simple statement or instruction of obedience here for the people of Israel. God has come down upon the top of the mountain. Respect his presence. Revere him. Hold him in awe. Do not come to the mountain even to touch it at its base. Or you will die. Some ultimately disobeyed God. They suffered the consequences. 
God warns us, obey, obey me. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Simply trust God to keep his word and give us the ultimate blessing. We'll stop here. We'll come back and pick up with chapter 20 next time. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. And Father, you are the awesome God. Help us to always keep this in our mind and respect you in the way that you would have us to do. Please watch over us and take care of us and protect us. Thank you for blessing us so much in so many ways, but spiritually most of all. And please, Father, continue to bless us. Guide people all over the world to see their need to respect you and hold you in awe and be obedient to your instructions, your teachings, your commands, so that they can be with you in your presence through all of eternity in heaven. Help people to turn away from their own self-will and accept your will as theirs. Please be merciful with us, Father, we pray. Please forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.